Hello, folks. You are listening to Rewriting Our Future, a Mind Control Exodus, with me, Paul Henning. Join us on our journey as we explore and actively work to deprogram ourselves from the forces in the world that socially engineer our lives. Are the politicians, doctors, scientific experts, and news anchors telling us the truth? Is school, pop culture, social media, and television programming supporting the development of our highest consciousness, healthiest bodies, and most sovereign selves? The more we research and listen to our intuition, the more we find that this answer is a loud and resounding no. And so, we are rewriting our future to opt out of the mind control these forces tirelessly aim to manipulate and coerce us with. Welcome to the show, where we are all figuring this out together. Hey everyone, thanks for joining us again. I am so excited to share with you this episode where I sat down with Derek Bros from the Conscious Resistance, the Greater Reset, Freedom Some Network, and of course the current Houston mayoral race as of now, November 2023. Uh, it was a real blessing to sit down with Derek. I've been wanting to talk to him for a while as uh, my wife and I have been following him for years, not only online, but um, in person, seeing him at different events around North America. And we had a great conversation today as Derek helped us understand how he got to where he is today through that um, through the activism work and how he was able and persistent in integrating the activism work with the spiritual side of things, which I think a lot of people, it's really hard to do because it's like the spiritual side of our communities wanted to stay in the light and woo woo. And, and then the dark side of the communities want to just focus a lot on, you know, the, the problems and so that integration is so powerful and he, he does that so well himself and with his community. So it was really amazing to be able to talk about that. We also dive into talking a little bit about addiction and what it's like with so many influences out there. And we talked about so much more. I really think you're going to enjoy this episode. I know I did. Thank you so much. and Have a blessed day. All righty. Hello, everyone. And hello to our guest, Derek Bros. Derek, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, it's great. Um, you're a big reason for me even having this platform. So I was grateful to have you on. I didn't want to invite you until I had at least a dozen people on my page so that uh, you had like something to, to look at when you searched it up. But um, I'll give you a little background here. So Derek is an investigative journalist, author, documentary filmmaker, entrepreneur, public speaker, and activist based in Houston, Texas, and Morelia, Mexico. Since 2010, Derek has worked to empower others by exposing corruption and focusing on solutions. Derek's work fo focuses on reducing governmental and corporate influence on our lives and creating local independence. His documentary series, The Pyramid of Power, is an incredible resource for understanding how our world works. Co-founder of the Freedom Cell Network, Conscious Resistance, the Greater Reset Conference, and more, Derek also recently ran in the current election for mayor of Houston. So thanks again for joining me, Derek. How are you doing today? Hey, I appreciate that. Thanks for the introduction. And uh, yeah, always happy to talk with more people who care about the future of humanity. Yeah, and I do. I do more and more now in the last few years, um, ever since we got introduced to you and so many other speakers. It's so funny now I hear people say things that are like, you know, there's no one really talking about health these days and no one's really talking about X, Y, Z, like in my workplace and I want to be like, man, there's so many people talking about stuff. It's just you got to get through the the levels that we block people out, you know. Um, and I just want to be like, there's a whole world there, but you're going to have to accept some hard truths before you can really start listening to them. 
Absolutely. That can be tough for some people to, like you said, they might, you know, before you you know something exists, you're kind of like the person you mentioned. You're like, why is nobody doing this or nobody's saying this or talking about this? But then once you discover it, you realize there's this whole, not only online, but increasingly in-person, real-world community of people around the world um, who are trying to figure out what comes next and who recognize that we don't like the direction things are going in, but we actually want to do something about it. So, you know, it's something that it's, I've said that for a while too, that there's like this beautiful movement going on within the broader freedom truth movements Mm -hmm. that I definitely feel like I'm a part of trying to focus on solutions, but it's also the kind of thing that I feel like if you don't tap in or if you're not tuned in, you'll completely miss it without even noticing. Yep. It's so true. I, I work in the health industry. I'm an online health coach for a major app. And so many people are like, there's not people talking about holistic health. And, but the people that I work with, a lot of them are pro vaccine, right? Because they're still captured by that ideology. And so um, they can't access a whole other level of holistic health without like, you know, breaking that identity quake of the vaccine thing. And so they're like, it's like a limit. Um, Yeah. Well, I definitely have some specific questions for you in our time today, but before I do, would you mind giving us a bit about your story and how you've come to find yourself on the path that you're on today? Sure. Absolutely. So as you kind of told a little bit about what I've been up to these days, I I am an independent journalist. I produce documentaries, including the pyramid of power. Thank you for the kind words about that. The next episode will be out shortly. Uh, And I, you know, I basically am just a guy who spends my daily life trying to figure out how I can educate myself and then share that education with other people through my website, my various channels, my podcasts, articles, documentaries, et cetera. That's kind of what I always feel like I'm doing. Sure. I wear labels of journalist and filmmaker and author and these other things that I'm, I'm grateful to have accomplished and continue accomplishing. But at the end of the day, that's really what I am. I, you know, I'm, I'm just a free human being trying to connect with other free human beings. And in that process, I'm doing my own research. I'm learning about life. I'm learning about things and then trying to use the best parts of social media and the internet to share that and say, Hey, if you care about X, Y, and Z, here's what I've found, whether it's related to health, whether it's related to history, technology, privacy, what have you, that's kind of my goal. And so, you know, I've been doing this for about 14 years in a variety of ways, you know, and I, I, when I started out, I was just a completely, um, like when I, you know, you talk about like, you're not aware of things until they happen to you. I was living a different life. I was, I've always been a, a cook at restaurants. So I was managing mm-hmm. a restaurant. I was also always been a promoter. Um, so I've organizing music festivals and things in Houston and was just totally tuned out of any of this kind of stuff. I was just living my happy little life uh, because I had spent the couple of years prior to this is about 2010 uh, locked in prison. And when I got addicted to drugs at 20 years old, back in 2005, I ended up going to prison in between 2005 and October 2008. I did 18 months uh, behind bars, so I did 11 months. Got out for about five. Did another three. Got out for a year. Didn't you know? Did that whole cycle for a couple of years until I, when it was all said and done, I did 18 and a half months. I was a felon, and I was released October 2008. So that was right when Obama was getting elected president, and I wasn't very politically aware of any of this kind of stuff. I just kind of knew that I didn't trust the system. And over time that um, when I got getting out of prison and going through this deeply both trauma- traumatic and healing experience, not to say that prison healed me, but I chose to use that time sitting locked up. And and I don't think it's something that most people in the day-to-day life experience, but it's a feeling of complete powerlessness, which I honestly think is an important place to experience at some point in your life because for the most part, our egos and our minds like to think that we're constantly in control and they, 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 they like fight to stay in control. Like the ego is terrified of not being in control, you know, and when you get yourself to a position where 
you, like just as an example, you imagine you're in the four walls that you're in right now and that you can't go to sleep until somebody comes in and says, all right, lights out and turns the lights out for you. That when they come in and say lights on, it's time to get up and sit around and do nothing for the rest of the day. When they say you can go outside and get some sun, you can go outside and get some sun and play basketball for 10 minutes. When they say, you know, it's time to go have dinner, et cetera, et cetera. You know, those are, that's, that's your life. And so you have to kind of accept, which is a very difficult thing to accept, uh, a, a, a feeling of powerlessness, but it's actually in that acceptance of being powerless that I found my, my true power. You know, I had to sit there and realize like my parents were trying to get me out of prison. We had lawyers, we were doing all this stuff and none of it was working. I had to accept like, I'm here. There's nothing that's going to get me out. The judge isn't budging. Like I'm stuck. And when I finally accepted that and I looked at the calendar and I was like, shh, shh, I'm not going home until at least hmm. next September. Like, what do you do? You get angry, you blame the world. Um, maybe if you're still criminally minded, you meet other criminals and you, you plan what you're going to do together when you get out. And I did a little bit of that the first time. And sure enough, I ended up back, um, you know, but for the most part, I chose to use that time to really dig deep and go inside. And so I did a lot of journaling. I ended up doing a lot of meditation, getting to prayer, thanks to my grandmother, who was a huge spiritual influence in my life while she was around. And just started doing a lot of healing related to my trauma. My trauma all goes back to my relationship with my father. I come from a family on the bros side of three generations of men going to prison. My mm. birth father died of a drug overdose a couple years ago. You know, I grew up visiting him in prison. Like this was all very much a part of my life. So when I found myself locked up for drugs in prison, it was just like a big kick in the nuts because it just felt like, wow, I've been mad at this guy my whole life. And here I am, I'm continuing the family tradition. But that was, you know, not something I wanted to do. And so I, I honestly remember like the moment of like, I'm going to use this time to better myself, to make sure when I get out of here that I've got my shit together and that, you know, I don't ever come back. Now, I, I came back a couple times, but I was like already in that direction of realizing I needed to change my like my path, my life path that I was headed towards. And so all of that happened before I ever woke up to conspiracies and got into journalism and made documentaries and wrote books and stuff. When I got out in 2008, about 2010, I started to wake up to the world around me, started to question the drug war, which I was you know, a part of. And then from there, I read um, former Congressman, presidential candidate Ron Paul's Revolution of Manifesto. I read uh, conspiracy researcher Jim Mars, Rule by Secrecy. He's now deceased. And then I was listening to this metal band that was also very much like conspiratorial lyrics and stuff. And all of these things were happening at the same time. And then I also watched Alex Jones's Endgame documentary. And all that happened within like a week. And it hmm. just like shattered every illusion that I had. And uh, from there, I just I just started diving in, man. I just felt like if I'm it, now that I realize, whoa, the world is crazy and all this stuff is going on, how can I not tell other people? And also I had that kind of naive feeling that I think maybe some of us do in the beginning where you're like, wow, okay, so I just have to tell people and they're going to realize how crazy this is and they're going to wake up and you know we're going to do something about this. And then of course, you really quickly realize people think you're crazy mm -hmm. or they don't want to hear about it. And so after doing that and driving every family member and friend crazy, I found the two people who didn't think I was crazy and I started an activist group and it just all started to blossom from there over the last 14 years. But yeah, I mean, that's just, that's like who I am. That's what I'm, I'm about. And my, along the way, I also came up with the Conscious Resistance website and kind of my book series and idea. And that was because when I first started to wake up and I did get into activism and especially after prison, I carried on my spiritual traditions after prison. I started going to the Houston Zen Center because I was uh, originally learning about Zen Buddhism. And uh, I was going there. I was 
organizing meditations. I was just doing all kinds of spiritual consciousness things, trying to keep that going even after being locked up. And then I was also getting into my activism. But for the first couple of years, these worlds were kind of separate. Most mm -hmm. of the activists I knew uh, were people who, and nothing against this, but at that time, most of the activists I knew were people who considered themselves very logical and rational. And so they were atheists for the most part. And then there was a lot of the, you know, the spiritual crowd that I had, like they had no interest in activism. They had no interest in like, you know, they're like, keep the bad vibes away. La la la. Don't talk about the negative things and mm -hmm. you know, we'll pretend it doesn't exist. So for two years, I had these like different worlds I was living. In. I was going to my protests and going to marches and going to rallies. But if I ever said, Hey, you guys want to come to this meditation thing tonight? They would just like, what are you talking about hippie? And then I would go hmm. to my meditation circles and, you know, do those things and keep developing my inner healing. And if I ever said, Hey guys, there's a protest tonight. The cops killed somebody. We're all going to go out there and march or whatever the thing may have been they were just like, no, nah, no, nah, that's, you know, keep those bad vibes away. And so for two years, I, I kind of lived these dual realities. But eventually in the summer of 2013, 10 years ago, uh, I had another kind of shift where I was just up late watching a bunch of videos and just processing a, kind of, a lot of information. And this phrase, the conscious resistance was whispered to me. And that was the moment I realized that I couldn't live this kind of dual reality anymore. That to me, the conscious resistance is the understanding that both of these struggles, the struggle in the external physical realm, as well as the internal struggle, what I call the struggle against our internal tyrant, our doubts, fears, and insecurities and limiting beliefs, that these two things are actually, in my belief, two sides of the same coin. Um, and so that's you know what I consider the conscious resistance, the understanding that the struggle for a better, more free, more just world, it, it involves both of those institute, both of those uh, areas, not one and not the other, you know, right? Like, so for all spiritual and we're just floating and we're totally detached from reality and from the ground, we have no foundation, then we, you know, we could miss what's happening around us. And at the same time, if we're completely just grounded in physical world and all the stuff that's happening here without developing our mental and spiritual emotional capacities, then I think we're going to be missing out on part of uh, what we're supposed, what we're here to do or what I believe we're here to do. And there's a, an old friend of mine, his name's Buddha. Some of you guys might've heard of him. He said it way more eloquently than I did. He has this phrase that he used to say that you need wisdom, compassion, and action, you know, mm. that you, without wisdom, and if you're all compassion and all emotion, well, then obviously that can lead to getting hurt and being taken advantage of and things like that. But if you're all wisdom and there's no emotion, well, then you can be detached from humanity in that way. And so we need a combination of wisdom, emotion, and then action with that. Wow. So when I, when I learned about that, that was very much like, wow, that's like what the conscious resistance is to me. Yeah. Yeah, that's a beautiful explanation. And, you know, you're touching on so many points that are coming up right now. I think there's a the realm that I'm in and maybe a lot of people are in and like this like truther and self-development movement right now is people are talking a lot about shadow work and people are talking about the new age movement as a psyop and stuff. And obviously you and your people have been discussing this for a long time. But now like I'm in lots of groups where people are just think just considering these things right now. And everyone's kind of like blowing uh, their minds on all this stuff because um the integration of what you're talking about is like what people are like talking about, like shadow work, like you're saying, you know, it's like the dark sides of yourself reflect the dark sides in the world and to integrate the spiritual side with the darkness of politics in the world is the answer. It is the thing that um, that we all must do individually, which you've put so much time in. And then once you do the work individually, you start that never ending process, then it can start to reflect in the world. And that's how you know, I've learned through you and others like Passio and others is that's how we unslave humanity, uh, not by necessarily only protesting, but by doing the work, facing your own darkness and accepting it and 
moving forward, resisting consciously. Um, exactly. Yeah, it's really yeah, beautiful. You, you know, you bring up something interesting. I'd love to hear your thoughts more on this um, because so, you know, you mentioned Mark. Mark is a good friend of mine. We're actually working on an event here in Houston later this month that hopefully comes together. And Mark and I, Mark Passio and I have done a bunch of interviews over the years together and explored this topic. I mean, a range of topics, but new age, et cetera. And Mark clearly has done, you know, a massive amount of work exploring um, new age bullshit and stuff like that. And um, obviously my work, my my brand, the, the website, The Conscious Resistance, you know, I've got like a meditating person here with, you know, sort of enlightened around their head. And there's some people who I've noticed over the years who see things like that. And they're like, that's new age deception. It's, you know, anything that has to do with meditation, mm -hmm. yoga. Now, from my perspective, this isn't what Mark or I are talking about. There's another strain that I've noticed, and perhaps you have something to say about this. There's also Christian truthers. And again, nothing against them, but there are many Christian truthers out there who are terrified of anything that isn't Christianity. So I'm also Native American. And so I guarantee you there are some of our traditions and, and uh, rituals and things that we do at ceremonies that if a Christian saw them, they might call them satanic because they have no understanding of it. And, and mm -hmm. so I've noticed that there is this sector of the broader movement that just sees if they see something that for one isn't Christianity, um, and, and that's fine if, if for anybody who believes that that's like the ultimate truth. I'm just saying like there's this is how some people seem to react based on my experience. If it's not Christianity or more specifically, if it's something they don't have any awareness of, like if it's a symbol they don't quite get or they've never seen, it must be satanic. You know, if it's got circles and lines through it, it has mm -hmm. to be say, you know, and, it, and it's really to me, it's just a, a matter of ignorance of not understanding other cultures and other you know modalities or whatever. And yet at the same time, there clearly is a new age deception, you know, that does take place. So I think there's a fine line and, and sometimes it can be difficult to discern because even though I am one of the people who've talked about this with Mark, I myself have been accused by, you know, just in the comment section or whatever else, but of, and I've, there's been videos made of where they lump me in with other people and say, Oh, look, Derek bros, the conscious resistance, the part of the, whatever, try to link me to some new age, whatever this or that. I'm not a part of any group. I don't work. You know, in fact, I try to call out people like that. Like, um, Who's the guy I called out a couple months ago? Sasha, whatever the heck his name is. Mm, yeah. um, I confronted him a couple months ago because he's yeah, one that. of these people. But my point is, have you come across this? Like where there are some people who, you know, they don't quite get like the new age deception in terms of what you're talking about. That like, from this is the way I would define it. That the new age deception, for one, I have a problem with that term. And I did a video about this a while back called the differences between new age, Luciferianism, uh, cultism, etc. Because I think people kind of interchangeably use these terms when they're actually different, you know, just because something is different from your beliefs doesn't make it new age, you know, practice like meditation has been around for thousands, millennia, you know, of years. So I don't know that meditation itself would qualify as new age, but let's say somebody's promoting a meditation practice that is like in some way it, it kind of promotes itself as empowering, but it's actually disempowering, or maybe it's giving some guru, you know, power over you and things like that. That's what I would consider new age deception. So there's a fine line and there's a distinction. Have you seen or come across or had any of these kind of conversations? Yeah, that's uh, I'm in a group right now. There's a podcast called here for the truth with these two guys. I don't know if you've heard of it, but uh, they're ones from Australia one's from uh, the U S and they're, they have a growing platform. And I, I joined one of their self-development, like two month, um, groups and there's a lot of the talk in there and I think sometimes we were talking about the other day how people can throw things out based on um, what camp they're in you know and that's something that you do really well is that like I heard you the other day you were like well you know I've, I've done work with communists on homelessness right and you work with like Republicans and you work with like Christians you work with all kinds of people and so what, what I think is happening 
that's really important for me to understand is that we, we all want to put ourselves and others into groups. What camp are you in? So I can either, uh, you know, lean on you or I can like throw things at you. And I, I was always very, very impressionable. I mean, no matter who I was around, I was like, that's the truth. That's what I'm doing. That's, you know, I, and so over the last few years, as I've started to follow more people like yourself, I have had to really um, break this connection with someone I I thought was like a leader or like a mentor. Right. And so it's like, well, this now, you know, now I'm reading everything that Jordan Peterson ever put out, or now I'm listening to whoever. Right. And so I would think, okay, well, this person is the one, because that's what they teach us in like Christian ideology and stuff, or even a new age ideology. It's like everything that Osho or whoever says is like, you know, the final word, but I think, People do throw out the Christians, they throw out the new age, they hear meditation, but they're like, no, I heard that new age was bad. So meditation is bad. And I think what it is, is it's like the, the analogy of the knife. You know, you can have a knife, you can grab it by the handle and cut yourself, or you could grab it by the, or you can grab it by the blade and cut yourself, or you grab it by the handle and you can do harm, or you can make somebody dinner. And that's what these ideologies are. And I think people forget that because we want a leader so bad. We want a leader to so bad, you know? And so it's like, I'm going to follow Derek Rose because he says all this stuff. But then Derek Rose says he worked with communists. And so now I'm going to delete all your, I'm going to unfollow you. Right. And that I think is the marker of a, of a powerful mentor that's really doing the work in the modern era. Right. Like I know like you probably don't want to be called like a leader. You don't want like necessarily followers and stuff. You just want to other and awaken people to do work alongside you. And so I think that for a, for a, I'll use the word mentor, for a mentor or a creator like yourself to have a diverse array of opinions is essential for the growth of the population because as Jesus said, no one can serve two masters. And so me, as like someone who's trying to come up in the game and come up to my own awakening, I can follow you or someone else. And then if you say something that I don't agree with, a lot of times we just throw it out. Oh, he's new age, right? But what it is, is like, no, I have to acknowledge that, you know, Derek or whoever is not my master. I am my master and God source spirit is my master. And so I think that what people need to realize when they start to get triggered by their gurus having multifaceted beliefs that seem to contradict each other, what we need to realize is like, okay, well, then who is your master? You know, because the true source and our true master does not have contradictions, right? Because it's in compassion and understanding. And that has been the biggest trigger for me because I was so impressionable. I just wanted to cling on what people used to say. And then I would just like spout it out like a mirror. And then I would follow and find someone else who aligned and someone else who aligned. But now um, there's people like you and even people like Owen Benjamin who gets like crazy. He says crazy things. I think that that's it's really dialed in because no matter how much you like these people and you follow them, they you will not agree with them on everything. And instead of throwing them out, that makes them a good mentor because they're forcing you to disconnect yourself to them as master and go higher, either deeper into yourself to descend, you know, like a mushroom, or you ascend and go into like get the, the data straight from source. Um, so fortunately, That's beautifully said, yeah. man. Now, I just want to add a yeah. couple things to that real quick. Um, for one, I, I just want to echo that. And I hope that everybody really heard just how you elucidated that because it's important Um you know, it, we, we learn from all kinds of people. I've, I've learned and been inspired by a dozen people that I could name right now from the beginning of my career, my activism, and then people who like maybe lended a hand and a leg up for me a couple of times that if I hadn't got that support from them, I wouldn't be doing this thing. And that wouldn't have led, you know, who knows what, what could have changed. Right. 
and that every with every one of those people at some point they disappointed me in terms of like mm -hmm. having a belief that I was like, wow, really? Like, damn, that's, you know, but in the same experience you're kind of describing, but since I never, never saw them as gods or um, my master, I just kind of like, all right, well, they're a human being and they're complex and they're flawed just like I am. And they're amazing. And they got me this far, but now I see some limitations in their thinking or whatever. It doesn't necessarily have to be that where like I'm above or better or anything like that. I find a way where we diverge, where our paths diverge. Right. And they take this path and I take this path. And ultimately I don't, you know, just say like, I can never talk about, or I hate that person. Now I'm grateful for the lessons they gave me at the time that we were on that same path together. And in the areas where we diverge, you know, so be it, they have their way of thinking. And so do I. And I think that is important because what you described there is something I've seen a lot in these truther online communities that so many people still are looking for a master or leader, et cetera. And I think there's some level of natural human inclination to be inspired by each other that I don't think is problematic, but I do think it becomes problematic where, like you said, you're either having emotional reactions of, oh no, somebody said something I agree, I can't stand or I disagree with. So I have to delete all their content. I'm going to erase everything. It just, you know, total kind of emotional reaction. I think if that's the kind of place you're at, then you might want to consider that. But overall, just recognize that people, human beings will disappoint you in terms of having different beliefs. But and, and you like you pointed out, I do work with all kinds of people. I've always believed in alliances. That doesn't mean we're going to end up on the same side of things when this is all said and done in the future. But in the meantime, there are causes and, and situations where I think we can um, not compromise our beliefs, not sacrifice our principles, stay strong and true to them, but still work with other people who have different beliefs and different systems. And sometimes we can't. And that's that's important, too. It's important to know where your lines are and what you are willing to put up with, who you're willing to work with and and all that stuff. And I, I think that all goes back to self-reflection, to time alone, to journaling, solitude, to the more you are the master of your own self and you have that, you know, the connect you're cultivating that connection with the divine, with creator, then the better off you're going to be. And you can follow, listen to, watch, et cetera. A million people, you can be inspired by them, you can be annoyed by them, but in the end of the day, you're going to remain true to what you know is true. And you'll take pieces from people where it works, but ultimately, you know, you're going to be confident in who you are and not feeling like, I do need to listen to what Osho said or what Owen Benjamin said or Derek said or Mark said. And instead, you listen to those people, you inspired, you angered or whatever, you know, you have an emotional reaction, you have a thought process, but ultimately, you're still in the driver's seat and that's what we should all be aiming for. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's what is so hard about the work because a lot of people think, okay, I, I, I crossed one hurdle and now I'm in my camp and I'm, I'm safe again. And then it's like, nah, there's another hurdle. It's an endless hurdle. It's an endless hurdle. And it's going to be endlessly triggering and challenging and demoralizing unless we can make ourselves or our family or God the, the main source of inspiration and clarity. Um, and so, but before that, you need to slow down and work on, work on all of our own, our own personal flaws in the places that are obvious that we need to change, you know, and that's, you know, you mentioned your, um, kind of like the congruence of the spiritual side and the, and the activism side with the conscious resistance. And, um, you know, my wife and I have been to a couple of the greater resets now, and we've been listening to your stuff for years. And when we went down there to Morelia last year, you know, it was so nourishing, like it was so nourishing to have both of those those things come together as one, you know. And so what it is, it's, it's no longer like two things together. It's just one thing. 
It's a group of people spiritually aligned that want to improve the world. And you can't ignore the dark. You can't enlighten something unless it's dark. Like you can't enlighten a lit up room. Like you can't go into an, an Apple store with a flashlight. You're not going to see, it's not going to change anything. You know, you have to go into the dark to, to bring any light. And that's what it feels like at your, at your events. Um, and that's what makes it so nourishing. And the community that you're with, you know, it's, you can tell it's heart led right? Like other people have events. Like we go to events all over the country, right? We were at a, we went to see Passio live last month for his like communism Nazi talk in Philly. We were at the Bertaria event in Missouri where we watched Owen Benjamin stand up live. We would go to float fest. Like we, we go and see all kinds of different people and everybody who hosts has their own vibe. You know, some people are finance led. Some people are like, you know, revolution led, some people are like just trolling led or whatever, but you're the community you've built is heart led. And that creates space for so much people. Um, so thank I just want to thank you for that. Yeah, I mean, I just thank you truly like that fills my heart hearing that. And I think nourishing is definitely the kind of experience we're trying to create, you know, as you're sharing that, me and my partner Miriam and our team, we're, we're, we're working on the greater reset, the next greater reset now. And these are the kind of conversations that come up as we're behind the scenes, like, you know, the stress of like arranging the million moving pieces and flying people from all over the world and all this stuff. It is all worth it when people come from all over the world that as they have the last four years and as I expect they will in January to come as you said, come together. Yes, we have like the information. We've got five days of solutions. But what we are trying to show people, and especially with the recent mini documentary we released that kind of captured the whole experience, that the Greater Reset, you know, we call it an activation because it's much more than just a, an event, a conference, a festival. It has elements of all of them. But we really do believe that, as you said, that it is heartfelt, that we're trying to put together something magical that isn't just another event to come spend a couple hundred dollars at and then go home and kind of move on with your lives. Like we want people to go home and feel like, wow, like I just gained so much knowledge and so many tools that if I choose to, and if I'm proactive, I can actually change my life and I can power my life, my family, my loved ones. And, uh, you know, people watch from home and, and they reach out to us and say, Hey, I watched online and now I'm, I bought land or I'm, I'm you know growing food or whatever the case may be. And it's such a, an empowering and a rewarding experience to hear those things because, um, I mean, when I first woke up, man, I, I never got into this because I wanted to, oh, I'll, I'll do this and one day I'll write books and then I'll travel around the world. I'll get invited to do podcasts. It was literally just like a pure, like primal, like, holy shit, how do I find other people? I feel mm -hmm. alone. I need to find other people. And now to like create events like the Greater Reset and to be there and have hundreds of people from all over the world. And we're expecting 500 plus this time since wow. we're only doing one event in Mexico this year. Um, to be there with those people and, you know, hear stories of like, thank you for doing it. People have kind things to say, you know, for us organizing. And I appreciate that, but just to stop and like sit back and look around and watch all the smiling faces and all the new connections and like people that I know from different areas of my life, seeing those worlds collide and all the magic that comes from that, man, it's something special. It's, it's definitely like, it reminds me, like, this is why I started doing this. This is why mm -hmm. it wasn't about money. It wasn't about internet fame. It wasn't about followers. It was about trying to wake people up, trying to bring people together and help other people see what I saw and what I think many of us see now and to recognize that we're not alone. And now we have like a, a focus. We know that 
they, them have this 2030 goal. We're giving ourselves our own 2030 goal. That's very much what the greater resets about is how do we manifest our own 2030 and beyond. So I want to invite anybody hearing this to check out thegreaterreset.org. We've got most of the speakers announced. I'll tell you here on your show first, Mark is going to be speaking. He won't hmm. be in person, unfortunately, this year, but he will be providing a, an exclusive virtual presentation that he nice. hasn't given anywhere else. And, uh, and a lot of other great speakers. And if you can come in person, guys, I would highly recommend it. TheGreaterReset.org. We try to keep it very affordable. It's only 150 US dollars and it's free for Mexicans because we want to bring more of the Mexican community in because we're trying to have as much integration as possible. We're not marketing our event towards rich expats who can afford to spend $500 and, you know, and fly down and you know whatever. That's fine. There's events for those. That's fine. I'm not saying anything against that. But I, as a you know, with a history as a starving broke activist, I very much understand what it's like to be somebody who wants to be at these places, but has to work for six months just to save up money. And then you got to show up and be able to eat. And then you got to be able to have a place to stay. And then you got to buy the ticket. Like I know what it takes to go to these kind of things, even when we set the price pretty low. So we're trying to do what we can to make it affordable for all people to make it that people can get this information. We put out all the talks in Spanish. Um, we have an uh, Odyssey channel with all the Greater Reset talks in Spanish that we're adding to. And even in person, as you probably saw, uh, Spanish speakers can check out headsets where they can listen to every single presentation live in Spanish. And you know, we're doing extra little things like that because we know that if we want to build a worldwide movement as we are, it can't just be in English. Yes, millions of people, billions of people speak English, but there are so many other big languages. And if we want to really grow this like I intend to, we want to reach people in as many languages as possible. So, yeah, I mean, I thank you for sharing your experience, brother. And that's definitely what we're trying to do is create nourishing experiences for people. Mm -hmm. it, yeah, it is. I can't speak highly enough. You know, everybody in our life knows that we go to this whatever it is, weird conference and, you know, down there, uh, you know, the first year that we were involved, I think 2020, we saw it online and it, it blew our minds because that was at the beginning of our journey. 2021, we went to uh, Texas for it in person and then last year we went to Morelia and we'll be going to Morelia again this year for sure and uh it, it is a really incredible thing um and it it makes there's so much impact you know like just in the last few years I wanted to share with you and for for others like when we first heard your talk we first heard you speak about the Freedom Cell Network right and then we got in we started looking in the Freedom Cell Network okay we we connected a little bit at the one that was local in western Washington and then when we moved out here to Virginia uh we connected a little bit we didn't make it a big, we didn't really connect over and over, but we, we took some of the tenants into our own lives and things are so powerful in the way that I hadn't expected. Right. So one of the things that you talk about the Freedom Cell Network is getting with your local crew and getting like a three month food supply. Right. Like, let's just start with a little bit of preparation. And a lot of people might scoff at that and they're like, yeah, whatever. But we did it. Right. And what happened was not that we needed the three month food supply. What happened is that we could lift our eyes higher to the horizon. So, okay, let's get a six month food supply. Okay. Now I want every type of hunting, uh, firearm that's available okay now i need the ammunition for this now i need to know how to use them okay it's like now we got six months of food we got a garden and we have all these like things now okay now i'm gonna put some money in crypto and my wife gets me a ledger for christmas because i don't know what i'm doing now i got a ledger i got hardware well i gotta watch videos how to use the hardware uh and i'm like okay and then we keep going right and as of right now our house is under contract for sale and so we we moved from in just in the last like three years, right? Since going to these events, like we moved out of Western Washington where they were requiring vast boring passports to get into restaurants and stuff. And then we came over here, we got four acres of land put in the garden. And then we had, we were doing it. The garden, the chickens, the, the hunting stuff, the, the crypto and the food stores. And then we realized what's next. 
And then we said, well, debt. And so we're selling our house and taking the money to get the flexibility from all that equity out. And then our geographic flexibility, my wife just quit her job. I work 100% remote. Okay, so now we don't have, now we're living out of the car, basically, in a few months. All our stuff's in storage. And so we have to put away the foods thing. And we're giving the food that we store to, like, friends and family because we can't take it with us. But our, our goal has just, the horizon's gotten farther. And we haven't been, like, drinking for months because you can't get on this track with the integrated spirituality and the red pill truth or shit without looking at your health. And there's only so many times you can drink like the IPAs every night talking about, yeah, man, we're going to get a garden before it's like, I'm poisoning myself. So our health has improved. Our finances are greatly improved. Only one of us has a job, like a worky job. I mean, I can't even imagine three years ago, like we were both working for the national park service, which were like government employees up against mandates and stuff. So it's it's for real, you know, and I know that uh, it could probably be discouraging for you to not have the financial like reward of the effort that you're putting out in terms of like dollars per hour, you know, that you since you work like basically all day, every day. But yeah, I just think it's important for you and for anyone listening to know that this um, with a little bit of action behind these ideas, like we have changed our life just incredibly. I love hearing you guys' story, brother. I mean, that's just that—that that is food for the soul, and that's that's more than that's more than money could ever provide. Absolutely, mm-hmm. you know, that's those are those are the kind of things that for me, it just it's 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 why I continue to wake up every day and do it. And yeah, you're right. I mean, there definitely are days where I'm just like feeling doubtful, and I'll get a positive message or an email from somebody who shares a story like you just shared, and it does make it all worth it for sure. You know, like I said, when I first woke up, it, there was no thought, I mean, and back in 2010, we didn't even really have influencers and followers yet, right? It wasn't even a thing that you're like, oh, I could make a living off the internet just by talking about truth or whatever. Mm -hmm. So that wasn't even, it was just purely like, I need to find other people. I need to find solutions. I need Mm -hmm. to figure out how I'm going to take care of myself. And to hear stories like what you just shared with your family and you and your wife, I mean, it's amazing, brother. And I want to just, yeah, invite every, every other person who might hear this to whether it's what you just heard traveling around the country and going on you know, trips to different events to see how you can get inspired and activated and who you can meet, or whether it's you know, staying at home and taking care of your home base, right? And getting home squared away first before you do that, whatever steps you take, start taking them now, right? Because I mean, it, it's, it's the cliche phrase, right? Of third journey of a thousand miles starts with a single step, but it's the truth. I mean, everything that I've been able to accomplish or every video confrontation I got or every really cool interview I'm proud of or article I wrote or anything like that, that I'm proud of over the last 14 years only happened because I showed up. Like that's becoming more mm-hmm. and more clear to me the last couple of weeks that everything mm-hmm. that I've been able to create and everything that I'm in the process of creating and building, including the greater reset, like the greater reset just came out of the thought from me and, and John and some other folks of just like, recognizing in 2020 that the online communities and the broader truth, health, freedom, whatever communities were filled with fear. Everybody was just freaking out in 2020. And especially after the Great Reset was announced and there was just so much palpable fear. We were seeing it in our communities. You know, there's a lot of people just feeling hopeless. And then of course, lockdowns and everything on top of it, that for us, it felt like we wanted to provide some alternative to that. Right. And I think that that's kind of that's kind of what we can do for each other. We can show each other that there is another way. We can be that inspiration for each other because really, truly, I think humans only learn by example. And so the best way we can teach each other is to lead by example. Like you said, if you see people in your community and you're like, hey guys, we got 90% of it, but we're still drinking or we're still doing these other 
toxic behaviors, you know, you can yell and scream at people all you want, as I'm sure you know, but ultimately when they see you like, wow, you look healthy lately. What did you change or what's going on with you? How, you know, cause I want to look like that. I want to feel like that. I want to be mm-hmm. as happy and as motivated, and as excited as you are. And, and, and just like you shared with everything that you've learned through the freedom cell network or through these different events, I find that those stories are so valuable because you know, we're our best marketers, right? Like if you're living the amazing life and it was because you discovered this cool tool or whatever, wouldn't you want to share that with friends and family? Mm-hmm. Like, guys, I got this new tool and it's helping mm-hmm. and improving my life. Um, and so that's kind of how I feel like with the Freedom Cell Network and with whatever tools or modalities you use, like share those with friends and family. Not everybody's going to listen, of course, because some people are satisfied with their whatever they got going on, or at least they believe they're satisfied, you know, and eventually mm-hmm. maybe they will awaken from that. And when they do, they'll remember who's that weird friend telling me about all those things. Let me go back yeah. and find them, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah, I just appreciate you sharing that, man. And one other thought I wanted to share from your previous uh, statement that I think kind of fits here too, is it, it all comes back to spiritual technology. When we were talking about people kind of maybe being uh, concerned about what's new age or, or beliefs that are outside of their kind of their purview, what we're all doing, what you and I are doing right now, our, our consciousnesses are engaging in this conversation. You know, we're, we're just, we're tuned in, we're connected, we're respecting each other, hearing, going back and forth. And then there's going to be people later who listen to this as well. Each of us has the ability to use the same technology that they, them, whatever are using. That's what I think is important to understand when it comes to this new age conversations and so many of these other debates that intention matters. Symbols numbers, rituals, they have power, but intention matters. And so you can use the same tool uh, to try to influence somebody with a podcast and have a positive conversation and hope that it inspires other minds through our collective consciousness and through our leading by example, that it, it plants a seed into their consciousness and then helps them take steps, right? Like that is us manipulating other people's minds for positive intentions. We are currently trying to get into your headspace, who's ever hearing this and yep. plant seeds of positive intentions. And there's nothing inherently wrong with that. You chose to listen. You're, you know, we're, we're having a voluntary relationship, but the other side does this just as well as well. They understand how to use media, um, music, pop culture, et cetera, to manipulate our minds, to turn us against each other, to divide us, to have us fighting and pay attention to this thing this week and this thing next week, et cetera, et cetera, right? It's all just technology. And just like digital technology, the person who's using it, like you said with the example with the knife and the blade earlier, it's the same thing. We each have the capability to use spiritual technology. I believe we all are creators. There is a creator um, that, you know, manifests this whole thing in my view. But at the same time, I think we have that creative energy within us and that creative power to shape the world around us, to help those around us, right? So you can either um, use your words and your body and your, your being for positive and for good to inspire and encourage other people, or you can use it as a weapon um, or, you know, as um, it's described in the fourth agreement, black magic, you know, words are magic, mm. words are spells, right? So I just wanted to make that point because I, I think it's important, what, whatever your spiritual beliefs, religious beliefs, or lack thereof, each of us do have these uh, these uh, capabilities within ourselves to influence other people. You don't need Derek Bros. You don't need Mark Passio. You don't need Paul. Any of you can, can start doing this just by talking and communicating to your circle around you. And again, by leading by example, because people will pay attention when they see you rising they see you you know it is not about physicality but your physical body will respond to inner healing and to inner growth as well so i just wanted to make that point clear don't be afraid of spiritual technology use it and and know the power of it absolutely that's such an important point because it, it is 
He said, don't be afraid of it because it can be fearful to, you know, like they say, people are actually, people say that they're fear, they're afraid of failure. But a lot of times what we learn is people are afraid of success, right? Like, who do I have to become if I step into my power? And like you said, we all have this power and this potential inside of us, like a light with the cover on it or like a spring that just needs to be let out. And it's so energetically exhausting to hold that energy in because if we're afraid of accessing those spiritual tools and using our voice and like this show for example has been so liberating for me like so expansive like this is my 13th episode i've been doing it a few months i've been reaching out i don't know much about creating content i'm taking pasio's class on how to become the true media right so i'm like really just diving in and this and so for people out there like i just want to say i don't post this show in my close family or my friends from back in the day i don't i have a i have right now i'm still split in my worlds okay i i am afraid to integrate some of these content with the people that are oldest and closest to me like i spoke at your event you created a space where we could talk about family members that are injured by vaccines right i shared on stage that you know there's a pretty good chance that my mother was my mother died potentially because of something with the vaccine and and, and now i've had reawakening with my military experience and i which sounded a lot like jail to what you described earlier being on the ship i was getting paid it was voluntary but the, you know, those things I now completely find to be uh, like evil. And there are, there's a lot of people in my life that I'm not ready to integrate this with because I'm not, I'm trying to get stronger to handle when those both worlds really come together like two waves. And I, I've decided after hearing you and Passio and so many others that are just like, you got to use your voice. Like we can't do this by ourselves. Ex expand yourself, expand, expand. And so finally I was like, all right, I'm going to do it. And so I, I've created this content and I'm sharing and I'm writing and I am learning so much and I'm growing and I'm connecting with people like you. And the amazing part is that I didn't have to do it the same way anyone else did. And so I just want to encourage anybody out there. It's like, if you're afraid of what the people at your job are going to say, like you can just talk into your mic with no camera and, you know, put it out under a pseudonym on whatever, like, it doesn't matter. We don't have to uh, approach it with the same level of uh, success that our, our mentors have you know what i mean like you can literally do it any way you want and if you just want to whisper if you just want to whisper the truth i used to think that was shameful but now i don't i think that that's a step to speaking louder you know and so um any way I, that we can it's it takes important. all paths man it takes all different paths mm -hmm. and so um i i'm excited to hear that you're putting yourself out there and i look forward to in the future hearing uh, and have maybe by the greater reset whatever happens, you know, sharing about how those worlds do eventually collide because they will. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, in my experience, sometimes that collision is actually, it's, it turns out better than we expected it to, you know, yeah. obviously there's always the other side where people are like, wow, you're delusional. You're crazy. I can't talk to you. Sorry. And that does happen. And it's sad. It's, I mean, I, I've experienced it directly with friends and family, including during the COVID years, people who I'd been activists with and friends for over a decade who because i was on the wrong side of the lockdown protest they you know they wrote me off and we've heard all these stories so those things can and do happen and we have to be prepared for that but i think ultimately as you were saying there just by like 
whether you're starting out with the whisper or you're starting out anonymously and then eventually maybe you feel like putting your face out maybe you don't you don't have to do it the way anybody you don't have to be a public person to create content and to influence other minds and other hearts mm-hmm. and you don't have to be reaching millions of people to be able to do it either in fact if each of us whether through podcasts or just conversations at the dinner table or whatever ways we're comfortable started influencing the people in our little circles. I mean, the movement would grow vastly. Mm -hmm. Like if we just cut, like if each of us said, okay, in the next year, can you wake up five of your close friends and family? And if we Mm -hmm. had hundreds of hundreds or thousands of people doing that around the world or even one little area, that would have a major impact, right? So Mm -hmm. as you said, you don't have to do it like anybody else. You don't have to do it at the speed anybody else does it or at the style anybody else does it or with the same voice or the same type of content Mm -hmm. or anything, you know, whether it's publicly or not. But I do applaud you, brother, for stepping into that space. And I think that if, you know, if anything, I feel like it's a liberation, man, because I'll just share briefly, like, I'm, you know, I've been running for mayor and in this mayor kind of hat uh, candidate hat that I'm wearing most of the people that I'm interacting do not know who Derek Bros is some people locally they've known my activism so they know and those people usually when we come up to them they're like oh he's a conspiracy theorist he's an anti-vaxxer I don't want to talk to that there's that kind of response but for the most part I'm meeting a lot of these people for the first time they know oh he's a journalist activist something but they don't know about all my crazy beliefs and I've kind of kept it that way on purpose I'm like Mm -hmm. "Um, let's just not that I'm hiding those sides of myself they can go look up my work and find out who i am but i realize as i'm going to these events and i'm meeting these people as just as just a neutral person they don't have any idea that you know some people call me crazy or some people call me anti-vaxxer and we find the areas where we can align and i can see where we won't align and Mm -hmm. i work with them there right and it's this beautiful thing of there's no expectations but I also have a similar feeling of what you're describing. I've been telling my partner, I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm curious about what's going to happen the moment <laughs> these worlds collide yeah. and all these people I've been spending time with and getting to know realize, oh my God, Derek Rose is one of those COVID denier anti-vaxxers. Yeah. But in fact, us. <laughs> in fact, it actually hasn't been as bad. Like, I mean, mm. I, there's still maybe more to go, but I'm noticing as I'm slowly kind of, you know, red pilling them, truth pilling them, whatever, as I'm like slowly bringing, oh, by the way, here's some of the things I talk about outside mm-hmm. of local politics that they're actually a lot more open-minded than I anticipated. And, you know, so sometimes it's just all in our head. Yes, there are people sure. out there who have bought into the, you know, the, the Kool-Aid of you're all just crazy, et cetera. But I think that we sometimes underestimate how many more um, open-minded people there actually are out there and mm-hmm. including in our family. Of course, it's harder hardest to talk to the family and people close to us yeah. often than it is with random strangers. But nonetheless, whether it turns out positive or, or you know, not the way you intended, brother, it, I guarantee you, you will feel that sense of liberation because it's like, and, and it's not that you're, you're, you know, not liberated now. It's just the point that I feel like it's just one less thing off our shoulder when we For can sure. really, when you can just really be your real self. Like when mm-hmm. I started doing this work, the first couple of years, my mom, just as an example, didn't understand what I was doing. She would see viral videos of me confronting cops or cop watching and stuff. And some, some of my activism early on got me arrested. So of course she was just like, ah, what, what's mm-hmm. going on? She didn't understand any of it. She was just happy. I wasn't in prison and on, and on drugs, but at the same time, she's like, what are you doing? But then over time, She's just heard my beliefs. My, she doesn't necessarily hold the same beliefs or, you know, she's not out there marching and protesting or rallying or building gardens with me per se, mm-hmm. but 
she came to the greater reset two years in a row she's supportive of what she gets it a little bit more now she's mm -hmm. not an activist in her daily life but when i come over and i say hey mom you need to watch out for that that's got poison let me get you a better version of that product or let me bring you some organic stuff to the house she's listening she's ready for it now right so she found the piece of my message yeah. that works for her she's not going to listen to an hour-long documentary about the finders cult but she might listen to me tell her about how to improve her spiritual and mental health right or physical health yep. so just by being mm -hmm. myself and her being willing to accept me. And I'm sure there's things I say that she doesn't like and maybe, but she's learned to just like, she keeps them to herself and I keep things to myself and we talk where mm -hmm. we can. And so I would say that it, it, it can, it doesn't always turn out that way, of course, but when it does, it is a very, very beautiful experience to have the people that we know and love and care about accept us for just the questioning people that we are. Cause at the end of the day, that's all we're doing is asking questions, right? Yeah, that's so true. You know, and while you were describing that, what it made me think is that it, it really what is, you know, the connection with you and your mom or other people, it, it presents an opportunity for us to practice true unconditional love and compassion. You know what I mean? It's like what they say, like, if you pray to God for strength, you know, you have to, the only way you can exercise strength is with an opportunity to be strong. If you're like, God, I wish I was more patient. Well, now you got to go do something where you have to, that's, that requires a lot of patience. And so for if you want to cultivate more love in your life, then you could do I could use to cultivate an environment that puts love to the test and um, instead of avoiding it. So that's really that's a really cool way to look at it. I have we got a few minutes left, but I had one question here that I wanted to ask you and um, left. And so nowadays we so many people suffer from so many addictions. Right. I have a lot of addiction in my family and not only is like nowadays the craft beer is like where everybody takes their family into the breweries. And of course, like, you know, uh, marijuana has not only become legal, but it's become like crazy strong where you can really reach levels of like dissociation and intoxication through the weed now, even though it still has like kind of a chill name, like it's just beer and weed, you know, but it's like nowadays it's like really a next level. Not to mention nowadays we got like fentanyl and then the classic drugs you know, that maybe you're familiar with, obviously. And then there's like pornography, social media, reality television. Um, you know, with so many addictions to that are out there working nonstop with their propaganda to grab us, how do you have any words uh, of encouragement or advice on how we can help ourselves stay free of that and maybe encourage others to stay free of that? You point at some really important, some really important issues there. And this is something that's been coming to my mind lately for multiple reasons. For one, uh, again, like related to the Mayo race, I met other felons, other people who've had my experience. And um, it made me realize that, you know what, even though my activism, my journalism, my content doesn't always focus on addictions that I do think I want to do more uh, work in that area because I have, you know, I can speak from experience coming from a family of addicts on both sides, but also my own addictions and such. And my addictions went beyond um, drugs too. I mean, my addictions were sex, my addictions were alcohol, my addictions were distractions, you know, all the dopamine things you can name. That's what I was after, right? And I didn't realize it till later that that's what I was chasing. Because my, you know, my negative habits that my destructive habits, it was cheating on women, cheating with women, it was lying, it was it, the drugs and alcohol were tied in there. But those were just, you know, symptoms of the deeper stuff, right? So that can express itself in different ways. Some people are like, Oh, that's, I've never touched a drug in my life, while they chug a beer every night, right? Mm -hmm. Or why they 
can't get away from the computer. I definitely have an internet addiction that I struggle with. And and for me, it's kind of reinforced because I'm doing positive work. So I need to do it as much as possible. Right. Mm. But it's still an addiction. I can still feel when I'm like, Oh, like I need to get back to the computer. I need to, you know, like, and, and I'll catch myself. And instead Miriam and I will go on a walk. I'm like, Hey, let's go outside for a while. Let's get out. Like I need to be away from the computer. Cause it's pulling me back. It's like, mm-hmm. I can feel my, my consciousness, like what's going on over there. Why aren't you over there? Right. <laughs> so these, yeah. the, it's, it's way more, I would say easy for our brains and our chemistry to, to fall addiction, addicted to this because, you know, there's multiple layers here. I tend to look at reality as a multi-layered thing. So you got on one level, the pure physical plane of people using drugs, alcohol, sex, internet, social media, pornography to distract themselves or what it is on the, you know, that's like one level is like, maybe they're, they're, they're sad and they might not even be cognizant of this. I know that this is what happened to me in the past is like, okay, I'm, angry or upset or not feeling good about something, I'm going to go flirt with this chick or I'm going to go use this drug or I'm going to do, you know, drink, get into something that I Mm -hmm. probably wouldn't do in my normal state of mind when I'm like feeling good and centered and everything. Um, So you have that level, but then you kind of have the chemical reaction that we're also having to battle, which is like, if you're just jerking off to porn all day or chasing women all day or doing drugs all day, all of those things are creating dopamine, serotonin Mm -hmm. responses in your brain. And so that you're going to have the chemical on top of this, that like your brain is then going to be craving that chemical. So you've got like the physical realm of like, oh, I'm bored or I want to distract myself. I don't feel good or I need something external. Then you got the chemical of your brain craving these things. And then of course, we've got the spiritual aspect of it as well mm-hmm. which is where the, the the trauma and the deeper what are the root causes of why you have this physical urge and why your brain is now craving these chemicals right so it's a lot to overcome and i've been thinking more and more about wanting to do content about addiction but actually specifically um for young men because as you know i'm sure in, in your travels across the internet there are a lot of in my view negative not empowering influences that young men and young boys are falling for. And personally, I would consider Andrew Tate to be one of these people, nothing to do with any accusations that may or may not be true against him, but just him as a person, his personality. And, and this became true to me when uh, about a month or two ago, my, I have six nieces and nephews that are like, you know, they're everything to me. And I plant seeds in their young minds as often as I can. And my sister, I was going to see my little, uh, my nieces and nephew. My sister said, Hey, you need to talk to him. And she was like, tell him what you told me. And then he, he was asking me, he's like, what's the matrix? Uh, what's the matrix? Mm. I actually did a video about this. And she said that, I, I told him, I said, where'd you hear about the matrix? Why do you want to know? And I, and I was excited for one. I was like, Oh my God, my little nephew's asking what yeah. the matrix is. But he said, Oh, Andrew Tate, I was watching Andrew and I'm, and he's eight years old. And I'm like, dude, what are you doing watching Andrew Tate videos? And I told my sister, I was like, you need to make sure if you see him watching these videos, you do not let him watch that. And I, I hate to be that, but at the same time, I know that there's nothing that Andrew Tate is going to offer my eight year old nephew that is going to be positive for him. That is going to be empowering no. for him. And it's going to potentially seed in his mind, whatever sort of trauma Andrew Tate has with women, because he clearly yep. has women issues, um, yeah. mommy issues could potentially be seeded into my young uh, nephew's mind. Right. And so when that happened, not only I I was grateful to talk to him about the matrix and all this stuff and make a video out of it and tell him like, Hey, watch my YouTube channel. You'll see the video. Hmm. But to realize like, wow, we need better influences for young men. We need like they, we need like, and I say this as a young adult myself, I'm 38 years old. Like who do we look to? Who are the, the people who right now are standing for peace and truth and justice and who are, you know, healthy mentally, physically, and spiritually. None of us are perfect, of course, but who are striving in these ways. And, and they're out there, I'm sure. We just maybe 
maybe I haven't come across them or, you know, they're not as well known as they could be because unfortunately a lot of the top positive or not top, not positive, but the top influences are people who I wouldn't consider to be positive. You know, if you Mm -hmm. look up just the most famous or the top streamers, like my other nephew, he's watching freaking Logan Paul and wanting to buy his drink all the time. You know, these kind of things, like these are the influences in addition to the porn, the internet addiction, the drugs, Mm -hmm. the whatever, the transgender, you know, all this stuff, like, it's tough, man. We are living in a tough time. And I really do pray every day for my nieces and nephews that like they do not get caught up in any of this shit and that they can just make it through their teenage years into the 20s where then Uncle Derek can start talking to them like adults and really mm-hmm. plant the seeds in their mind. Right now, I'm just subtly like, you know how powerful you are? You know how beautiful you are? Don't let anybody tell you anything different. And just mm-hmm. you know, little things like that with them and just be there for them because I really do worry, man. I, I worry about the youth and where things are headed in addition to the addictions you mentioned, the negative influences because the internet rewards drama and it rewards um, controversy. And obviously when the kids are watching their freaking reels and shorts and whatever else all day, that's what they're going to be seeing is whatever those popular things are. So um, I don't know if I exactly answered the question, but I did. I, I will say this is something yeah. absolutely important to me, man. And I want to, you know, anybody who struggles with addiction and ever needs anybody to talk to, you are welcome to reach out to me. I can't promise I can, you know, offer the perfect answer, but I'll listen. And, um, you know, I, I'm a person just like everybody else. I struggle with those same addictions and, or the, you know, those temptations and the ability to get addicted. And it's all just, again, back to that self-reflection. At the very least, if you are cognizant of who you are, you can be aware, okay, I'm feeling that sense of like, I want to go do something that's outside of the mm-hmm. behaviors that I know are good for me. I want to go have that drink or I want to go pick up that drug or I want to go talk to that woman or look at that website or whatever it may be. If you're conscious of it, you are conscious enough to do something different. That's mm-hmm. the tough part. That's where the action really is because it's one thing I, I find this myself. Like I'm a, I'm a recovering cookie monster. Um, mm. and, and I say that jokingly, but I have yeah. realized over the years how eating cookies or eating bad food was a replacement for my drug use in, mm. in many ways. Mm-hmm. And so, okay, I'm not using drugs anymore. I'm doing something that's acceptable. I can go to the store and buy cookies and nobody's going to look at me weird, but right. is it going to make me feel good later? Is it going to lead to the health and all the things mm-hmm. I really want? Or is it me feeling some type of way that I need that sugar rush that's going to feed the same dopamine receptors that the drugs are feeding, you know? Mm-hmm. But it's in those moments where you can be conscious of it and say, you know what? Never mind. And you put the cookies back on the shelf and you go do whatever else, like, or you change websites or you put the phone down or you don't go buy the drugs or whatever the thing may be. Yeah. That's that's where the magic is. Like mm-hmm. by being conscious of it, you that means you're still in control. And even if you slip and you do buy the cookies one day, like I sometimes do, and then mm-hmm. sometimes later regret, you're still in control though. So don't beat yourself up about it. Know that you're still in control. And the next time that opportunity arises to make a different decision, you have the ability to do so. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. That moment of clarity to bring in the spirituality and the conscience um, is the decision point, that fork in the road that will can lead us to incredible changes. Um, well, Derek, thank you so much for your time today. Uh, this was super valuable. I'm really blessed to have you on the show. And you know, November 11th, we're going to buy our, our tickets for the Greater Reset, the early release. Um, before I let you go, you know, I'm going to put all your links in the show notes and stuff. But before I let you go, is there anywhere you would like to tell anyone to get in touch with you or to follow you? 
I appreciate the conversation, brother. This has been one of the, the more fun conversations I've had lately. So I look Great. forward to sharing it around. Um, my main website is theconsciousresistance.com. That's where my books, documentaries, most of my interviews, everything are can be found there. If you're interested in following my articles, I do contribute to thelastamericanvagabond.com. Uh, we mentioned thegreaterreset.org, freedomcells.org. Um, I've got a few others. If you want to check out my music, 33ishere.com, you can check that yeah. out. And yeah, just, uh, you know, I appreciate anybody who wants to get in touch. You can always reach me at Derek at theconsciousresistance.com. Cool. We'll put all that in there. And yeah, I've seen Derek live a couple of times with his music. It's really powerful shows up on stage. Uh, so definitely encourage everyone to check it out. But uh, all right, Derek, thank you so much. I appreciate thank it. You, and I'll see you soon. Thank you. All right. Well, that's it for today, folks. Thank you so much for listening. And if you would like to support the show, you can make a donation on PayPal. You can find me at Mr. Paul Bry at M-R-P-A-U-L-B-R-I. Or feel free to pick up a copy of my book uh, recently on Amazon called International Backpacking and Domestic Travel, What I Learned While Traveling the World, a Comprehensive How-To Guidebook. You'll find that link below in the show notes. Take care, thanks again, and grow food, not fear.